This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of bullous pemphigoid from the dermatology section on medbullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 75-year-old woman living in a nursing home presents with a one-month history of severe pruritus. She reports having unrelenting pruritus with a pink rash over her trunk and extremities. Though she tried multiple lotions, the pruritus does not improve. Approximately two days ago, she also noticed some blisters on her body. She has never had rashes like this before. On physical exam, she has several 1-3 centimeter tense bullet on her abdomen and upper arms. The Nikolsky sign is negative. A skin biopsy is taken and sent for immunofluorescence. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, the clinical definition of bullous pemphigoid is an autoimmune blistering disorder which are characterized by bullet or greater than 1 centimeter large fluid-containing blisters and severe pruritus. With respect to epidemiology, as far as demographics for bullous pemphigoid, this is more common in those greater than 70 years of age. As far as pathogenesis for bullous pemphigoid, this is characterized by autoantibodies, or IgG, against hemidesmosomes in the epidermal-dermal junction. Note that the antibodies are below the epidermis. The main autoantigens are BP-180 and BP-230. The pathogenesis involves activating complement and an inflammatory reaction which causes epidermal-dermal splitting. Associated conditions with bullous pemphigoid include drug use, specifically loop diuretics, metformin, and neuroleptics, as well as certain neurologic conditions like multiple sclerosis, dementia, and Parkinson's disease. As far as prognosis, bullous pemphigoid can resolve spontaneously and often recurs. Moving on to presentation, the symptoms of bullous pemphigoid involve severe pruritus, and these patients may have a history of eczematous or urticarial lesions before bullet formation. Physical exam may reveal tense bullet with clear exudate. These may be hemorrhagic and are typically symmetrically distributed on the trunks and extremities. Know that bullous pemphigoid spares the mucous membranes, and these patients will have a negative Nikolsky sign, meaning this condition cannot cause separation, blister formation, or blister extension with blunt pressure or lateral traction from dragging a finger on the skin. Also keep in mind that these patients may have vesicles found on physical exam. As far as studies to obtain in the setting of bullous pemphigoid, as far as labs, autoantibodies in the serum are detected with enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay or an ELISA. This can be used for monitoring disease activity, and specific antibodies, as we mentioned earlier, include anti-BP-180 antibodies and anti-BP-230 antibodies. The histology of bullous pemphigoid includes a subepidermal blister with eosinophils and direct immunofluorescence, which shows a linear pattern of IgG and C3 deposition along the epidermal-dermal junction. Moving on to the differential diagnosis for bullous pemphigoid, the main one to know is pemphigus vulgaris, which is more severe than bullous pemphigoid, it affects the mucous membranes, and these patients will have a positive Nikolsky sign. Treatment for bullous pemphigoid can be conservative or medical. Conservative management includes discontinuing new medications, and this is indicated if bullous pemphigoid is suspected to be a drug reaction. Conservative management also includes wound care, which is indicated in all patients and involves antiseptic care for erosions. Medical management includes topical corticosteroids, prednisone, or steroid-sparing immunosuppressants. Topical corticosteroids are indicated as first-line treatment and are often used with systemic treatments. Example of drugs include clobetazole. Prednisone is indicated for widespread disease or if topical steroids are not feasible. Finally, steroid-sparing immunosuppressants are indicated for those contraindicated to steroids. Examples of drugs include azathioprine. Complications of bullous pemphigoid include skin and soft tissue bacterial infections of open lesions.
Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a 35-year-old patient presents to the dermatologist with a new skin rash. The patient has noticed new bumps on her arm over the past one month. The bumps are about 0.5 centimeters in diameter and are filled with a clear fluid. They extend on both arms but are not in her mouth or torso. The lesions do not pop with pressure but remain tense. Her skin does not slough off with rubbing. The patient denies any other symptoms including joint pain or fever. The patient has no other medical history. The patient's condition is most likely caused by antibodies against which of the following compounds? And the choices are 1. E-cadherin, 2. Desmoglein, 3. Hemidesmosomes, 4. Double-stranded DNA, and 5. U1 ribonucleotide polypeptide. The correct answer to this question is 3. Hemidesmosomes. So this patient likely has bullous pemphigoid, which is characterized by tense blisters that do not pop and exhibit a negative Nikolsky sign. Bullous pemphigoid is characterized by IgG antibody against hemidesmosomes, specifically type 17 collagen in the basement membrane. To quickly review, bullous pemphigoid is an autoimmune disease that does not result in sloughing of the skin with normal rubbing, otherwise known as a negative Nikolsky sign, in contrast to pemphigus vulgaris, which shows a positive Nikolsky sign. The IgG antibodies target the hemidesmosomes, which are at the dermal-epidermal junction, whereas the IgG antibodies in pemphigus vulgaris targets desmoglein. The blisters containing fluid filled with eosinophils in bolus pemphigoid are seen on the skin but spare mucosal areas versus pemphigus vulgaris, which does not spare the mucosal areas. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, E-cadherin is incorrect, as bolus pemphigoid is characterized by antibodies against hemidesmosomes, not antibodies against E-cadherin. E-cadherin is a component of the adherens junctions and is implicated in the metastasis of cancer. Answer 2, desmoglein is incorrect, as antibodies against desmoglein are characteristic of pemphigus vulgaris. Pemphigus vulgaris is characterized by multiple intraepidermal flaccid bullae that pop with pressure. Answer 4, double-stranded DNA is incorrect, as antibodies to double-stranded DNA or anti-DSDNA are seen with systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE. The rash of the patient in the question stem is more characteristic of bullous pemphigoid. Systemic lupus erythematosus would also likely present with systemic symptoms like fever or joint pain. And finally, answer 5, U1 ribonucleotide polypeptide is incorrect as this is the antibody seen with mixed connective tissue disease, which would likely not present with an isolated rash of blisters. To leave you with a bullet summary, bullous pemphigoid is characterized by tense blisters that do not pop are mediated by IgG antibodies targeting hemidesmosomes, and have a negative Nikolsky sign. And moving on to the final question. A 50-year-old female presents to her physician with vesicles and tense blisters across her chest, arms, and the back of her shoulders. Physical examination reveals that blistering is not present in her oral mucosa, and the epidermis does not separate upon light stroking of the skin. The patient most likely suffers from a hypersensitivity reaction located in 1. Linearly along the epidermal basement membrane, 2. In net-like patterns around the epidermal cells. 2. In net-like patterns around epidermal cells. 3. In granular deposits at the tips of dermal papillae. 4. In fat cells beneath the skin. And 5. In nuclei within epidermal cells. The correct answer to this question is 1. Linearly along the epidermal basement membrane. 
So IgG antibodies against hemidesmosomes characterize bullous pemphigoid, which is an autoimmune skin disorder. Hemidesmosomes are present linearly along the epidermal basement membrane and help to anchor the basal epidermis to the extracellular matrix. Afflicted patients present with a rash of vesicles and tense blisters. Though similar to pemphigus vulgaris, bullous pemphigoid is less severe, spares the oral mucosa, and has a negative Nikolsky sign, which is when the epidermis does not separate upon light stroking of the skin. Pemphigus vulgaris has flaccid rather than tense blisters. Bickel et al. review bullous dermatoses. Bullous pemphigoid is rarely fatal, even if untreated. It presents as tense bullae with clear fluid or erosions. It is most often located on the lower legs, forearms, thighs, groin, and abdomen, but rarely found on mucosa. Ceruda et al. review the role of hemidesmosomes in bullous diseases. Several autoimmune disorders target hemidesmosome components. In bullous pemphigoid, autoantibodies create a linear deposit of IgG at the epidermal basement membrane. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2 in net-like patterns around epidermal cells is incorrect as IgG antibodies against desmosomes cause pemphigus vulgaris and are seen upon immunofluorescence in net-like patterns around epidermal cells above the epidermal basement membrane. Answer 3 in granular deposits at the tips of dermal papillae are incorrect as dermatitis herpetiformis is marked by IgA deposits at the tips of the dermal papillae, which are small extensions of the dermis into the epidermis. Answer 4 in fat cells beneath the skin is incorrect, as erythema nodosum is the inflammatory hypersensitivity reaction against subcutaneous fat that may produce tender red nodules or lumps. And finally, answer 5 in nuclei within epidermal cells is incorrect, as direct immunofluorescence often demonstrates IgG antinuclear antibodies within the nuclei of epidermal cells in both cutaneous lupus and systemic lupus erythematosus. That's all for this review about bullous pemphigoid. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.